welcome back to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Abbasi. I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic and stroke survivor. Today is Plank Challenge Day number 24, and if you are shooting for three minutes, your time for your plank today is 140 seconds, and if you're going for five minutes, the plank today will be 210 seconds. Good luck with that. And uh, if you watched the watched, <laughs> if you listened yesterday, um, I was talking about leading by example. So I wanted to give some um, examples about how we lead by example. So, and especially through some of these big challenges, you know, the biggest challenges of our lives, like sobriety and stroke recovery. And leading by example in these kinds of gigantic challenges offers an incredible opportunity to teach our kids in a way that we can't just by talking to them. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I should start off by saying I'm the first one to say, you know, when you're uh, in the in the depths of suffering, you know, you're just trying to survive, right? I, I know that. And I'm not talking about that part of it. I'm talking about um, once we're kind of in this area where we're recovering, um, where we have to continue to be strong continue to progress, continue to um, work a program, to see a therapist, whether it is um, a, you know, a a psychiatrist or a um, therapist for uh, physical therapy. So that's kind of what I'm talking about here. Um, So leading by example in these situations uh, show what resilience truly looks like and what growth against the odds looks like um, and the human capacity to overcome adversity. Today I want to talk about how to leverage these struggles and like I said yesterday, I am trying to squeeze all I can from my suffering. I'm trying to squeeze as much good, as much positive, as much, um, you know, benefit for other people as I can from my own suffering. And if I'm going to live like this, I want to get the biggest bang for my buck and my buck being, I guess, pain and suffering. But you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's a payment, you know, and I want to, I want to get as much as I can out of it. And that's why I'm trying so hard to just share, 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 share. I want people to hear my story. I want people to resonate. I want people to reach back out to me and um, and tell me 
that they can relate. Um, I mean, it's not going to stop me. If I don't hear from people, I'm going to keep sharing um, because that's what I need. And I just know there's people listening that are resonating with what I'm saying. I mean, there are there are several people who have been reaching out to me and, and it's so much appreciated. I just love it. I absolutely love it. So um, here we go. We're going to talk about the ways that we can lead our kids by example in recovery. And honestly, it doesn't matter if you're in recovery or not. And that uh, that's a lot of these episodes. It doesn't matter if you're in recovery. Um, you'll probably be able to relate is my guess. So this is broken down into three parts. So uh, part number one that I'm going to be talking about is sharing your journey openly with your kids. So um, sharing your journey, uh, the first part of that, that, how am I describing this? So there are three parts and each part is broken into two components. So part one, <laughs> component one, I'm just making it more confusing. Okay. Sharing your journey. So transparency. I mentioned yesterday that I felt like talking too much about what I'm going through with my kids, I felt like I was just going to stress them out. And I think it does sometimes, you know, I think it does sometimes stress them out if I'm talking about my struggles. But the important part, and this is what I realized, um, I don't know, uh, not only talking to my psychiatrist, but just uh, as I've been sharing things with them over the past couple years and doing the podcast episodes and stuff. But what I realized is the important part about them hearing and seeing our struggles is that they get to see us on the other side when we overcome those struggles and when we're fighting back during those struggles. So it's like how I choose to record and not edit my podcast episodes on days that I'm suffering or I'm in pain or I'm crying. Um, If you guys don't get to hear about the ugly, dirty side of my recovery, then rising from the darkness isn't very personal, is it? You know, you're not seeing how difficult it is for me to show up. Um, so it's the same with sharing my my stuff with my kids about what I'm going through. You know, if they don't see or understand how much pain I'm in, they're not going to see how much I'm fighting for myself to keep going and to keep, um, you know, functioning and fighting for my joy um, every day. So sharing your story of sobriety um, or recovery from a stroke with openness and honesty. Um, Let them see what you've, where you've been and the challenges that you faced and how you've overcome them. It doesn't mean that you're focusing solely on the hardships. 
but um, also highlighting the victories, no matter how small they seem to be. And your story can teach your kids the value of perseverance and the importance of seeking help when you need it. You know, like when I'm um, really struggling, picking up the phone, you know, and telling, calling them, you know, I really just needed to hear your voice. That means so much in so many different ways to the kids. Um, and I tend to not do that. And that's another issue. Um, but I'm learning to do that. Just pick up the phone and stop thinking about it. Just pick up the phone. It doesn't matter if they're busy. Leave a message. That's what we used to do in the good old days, in the 80s, <laughs> when we had um, the message machines and we would just leave a message. It wasn't a big thing to like, because you weren't expecting to like, uh, ring on some ring in somebody's pocket. You just leave a message if they aren't home. So um, I'm trying to get back into the habit of just picking up the phone and making it ring on the other side. Um, and so this also shows the strength that comes with vulnerability too. Um, so educating the kids. So this is component two of part one. I'm not going to do all of that. That's too confusing. So um, the next thing is about sharing your journey is that it helps to educate your kids. So instead of just telling your kids what they need to do, you know, um, using our experiences to educate our kids about the realities of alcoholism, addiction, um, or, you know, my recovery and my stroke. And this, I think, is something that I really, I mean, I've always tried to tell my kids more about, well, this is what it was like for me when I was your age, you know. But um, I think being a part of my sobriety program really drove that whole idea home how much value there is in sharing our stories with others. So I really, um, I think it's important to talk about what it was like for us when we were their age. And um, not in a way that says, hey, if you party, you're going to end up like me. You know, that's not what I'm trying to say when I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to tell them that, um, if you're anything like, if you drink like I did when I was in school, then you're probably an alcoholic. Um, you know, I hope that they don't. And, and it sounds like, no, they totally didn't, unless they're lying. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so definitely don't, you know, talk to them in a way that, like, relate, you know, like, what am I trying to say? Like, that you're like me, like not comparing yourself to them, but just telling them what it was like, your experience, leaving them out of it. Um, and they hear your struggle. And so they understand the signs, um, rather than you just telling them 
this these are signs of an alcoholic instead saying this this is what it was like for me um i drank like that and and this is what it was like for me you know i i would wake up and go to class and i wanted to drink a beer you know at eight o'clock in the morning before i went to class that kind of thing um Anyway, my daughter recently asked me a bunch of questions about what it was like for me in college. And then she shared some of her experience, her experiences and her friends' experiences. Um, And it was probably one of the most valuable discussions that we've had about alcohol abuse, actually. Um, And on another note, like, telling my kids about what it felt like when I was having the stroke or the importance of um, a healthy lifestyle in order to prevent some, you know, these kinds of medical emergencies, providing them with knowledge and equipping them with you know, tools to make informed decisions in their own lives and to be able to know when to jump and help somebody. You know what I mean? And um, and also talking about not just the physical signs of what I went through, but the emotional side, you know, like the self-talk. Um, I... I probably too much. I don't know. I talk to my kids a lot about my self-talk and because, you know, I don't even know if they think the same things as me a lot of times, but, and they don't have to respond, but I tell them, I try to be so open about my self-talk. Um, tonight, actually, my daughter, both of my kids were here because of my wedding celebration tea that I had. So they both left tonight. Um, and t- tonight my daughter asked me if I probably will never drive again. And I said, I don't know. You know, I might not. And she asked me how I can say that so matter-of-factly. And I said, to be honest, it's because I cried about it five months ago. You know, I was, I was terribly upset about it five months ago, you know. And I'm not saying that she's not paying attention. I'm saying, you know, that was before I was telling people what I was feeling, Um, and now I am, and that's the importance of talking about it because she now is like not understanding how I'm processing it so easily because I wasn't sharing how difficult it was to process it when I was processing it. Um, so I, you know, I was able to share today, I've been grieving about this for eight months. And um, so now she knows how long it takes sometimes to process things that are very difficult and how it's okay to take that time 
that's needed for, you know, to process these kinds of things. And and I'm mentioning her because she was the one who was being vocal at the time. But my son was also sitting with us um, for the conversation. So it, it just was a really great conversation. We had a lot of good conversations this evening before they left. Um, so the next type of leading by example is modeling healthy coping mechanisms. So a little more about that self-care and self-talk and emotional intelligence. So showing our kids the importance of self-care by actively engaging in practices that promote our own physical and mental health. So whether that's through regular exercise, meditation, attending support groups, or pursuing hobbies, um, letting our kids see how we are prioritizing ourself. And I know that I'm not unique in this. Being a parent, I never prioritized myself, ever ever. I always, I still do it. I still do it. You know, if there is um, anything, if, if there is a limited amount of anything in the house, then I save it for the kids and I don't have any. Um, no matter what it is, I always put them first. That's just an example. And I think that's a perfect demonstration of how I just have always put them first. And and that's not bad, but I think that I did it to an extre- an unhealthy extreme. I know that I did for sure. And so today I get to show them what putting myself first is, you know, because they are self-sufficient now. Um, so I'm able to show them this is how you take care of yourself. Um, And this can instill in them that importance of self-love and self-respect as foundations for a healthy life. I just shared again with my daughter last night that I'm taking a few Bible study courses. And I told her this knowing that like this isn't a normal occurrence in my house. Um, We don't do Bible this or Bible that anything. So um, it's just like a little avenue that I'm traveling down because I feel like I will find some healing in this. So and I'll get some education because I just have not been exposed a lot to this kind of thing. I've I've watched some of those movies that come out over Christmas and Easter. <laughs> so I, I'm educated in that way. My mom used to take us to, um, to Sunday school when I was younger. And my boyfriend and I have long conversations about um, lots of Bible stories and all of that stuff. So I feel fairly educated, but I have never really, as an adult, for sure, done any kind of Bible study. And I have had, it's like everywhere I go, there's something that's telling me that I need to um, 
pursue this avenue. Um, it's just like every kind of support thing that I try to go to is always um, a little leaning towards uh, religion or, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, I told her that I was taking a few Bible study courses and um, I wanted her to see, I, I didn't want her approval or disapproval or anything like that. I wanted her to see how I'm reaching out beyond my normal comfort zone to seek support for my mental well-being. And after I told her this, this is what's interesting. After I opened that door and I said it out of nowhere, we weren't talking about and we were just kind of chit-chatting. And after I told her that, she shared some private stories of her own with me about the same topic. And I wouldn't have gotten to hear that had I not just opened the door. So um, you never know what you're going to hear back if you get uncomfortable, you know. Um, So demonstrating how to deal with emotions in a healthy and constructive way. Um, That's why I'm doing all of this stuff. I am continuing to like seek. I'm just seek, seek, seeking (laughs) all the time instead of bottling up my feelings or, um, you know, expressing them in in some way that's not healthy. And I can't think of an example, but, um, but instead, uh, communicate, communicating openly, Um, seeking support from others, and processing emotions through like writing or art or doing my podcast. Um, Our emotional resilience can serve as a guide for our kids. Um, for how to navigate their own feelings. This afternoon, I was sharing with my son some of my conversations that I've been having with my psychiatrist. Um, and I've, I'm, I talked to her about how my biggest regret um, is not calling my son very much when he went off to college. And, um, so I shared with him some of my really deep rooted fear of abandonment and how I'm discussing the correlation to how I react when people go away. So, um, That's a whole nother topic that I'm not going to go down right now, but it's absolutely an episode (laughs) uh, that I think, you know, would be great for me to talk about. So, but the more, if I reel that in a little bit, the more I share about real fears like that, um, I, the more he will know that fears are healthy and that there are solutions to addressing them, you know, and I'm pursuing one of them right now. 
I'm pursuing talking to a psychiatrist about this fear and what it's causing me to do things that that may be hurtful to other people like him, like not calling him at school. So, um, yeah. And when I told him this, um, just to kind of round out the story, he he shared his thoughts a little bit, you know, and it opened up more conversation. I mean, we have a great relationship, my kids and I. So um, I think it's because I've always tried to be really open with them. But um, <laughs> I'm still trying to I'm still doing that. And it, and it seems to be really healthy for all of us. So and then the third part of uh, leading by example is living a life with purpose and engagement, showing them that, um, that that's how we live our lives. So pursuing our passions and interest, let your children see that you engage with life, um, passionately and curiously. Um, when I was drinking, I did not experience life passionately and curiously while today if I see a squirrel if I see a squirrel I will turn and look at the squirrel and like appreciate it you know I will be like look at the color it's like dark on the outside but you can see like underneath that dark it's like a really light brown you know I'm amazed I'm amazed by such simple things now and I like to talk about it Um, I talk about it with whoever is willing to listen and um, and so this can go with you know simple things like that like just what we see out in nature, but also um, things like continuing our own education or volunteering, exploring new hobbies, showing our kids that life, um, as we get older, can be fulfilling, life in recovery can be fulfilling and exciting, and, and teaching them that there are endless possibilities if we, number one, do the work, you know, Um, and I'm trying to show them that really, and I didn't really write that in the script there, but um, the importance of doing the work, Um, and I'm hoping that that's kind of like a product of all of this openness and transparency that they see how hard I'm working to get this stuff, to get, um, to get new hobbies, to get support from other people, to, um, to live my life with passion, to be able to, um, you know, take care of myself and all. It takes work to do all of that. Um, so I did this evening, I got to, speaking of hobbies and living passionately, I got to cook and bake for my kids this weekend. And that was really special for me um, because I got to show off, 
you know, I got to show off my skills and um, being the kind of person that I am, you know, I've talked about how much I'm always, I was always trying to show off for my boss. Well, now I'm trying to show off for my kids. Look at what, look what I can do. You know, I'm just like a, I'm just like a child. (laughs) Look what I can do. I made these cookies all by myself. Um, but so I got to make them dinner and I did lots of baking for, um, for the weekend and stuff. So that was really special. And they said that they remember that I was always cooking when they were growing up and, and I, you know, they're right. I was cooking a lot when they were growing up. It's when my alcoholism really started getting the best of me that I stopped cooking so much. And also when I met my husband, (laughs) because he's such a good cook that I was just like, okay, (laughs) it's yours now. The kitchen is yours. So, um, and then also a part of living a life with purpose and engagement is being a part of a community, demonstrating the value of being a part of uh, a fellowship, you know, um, with regard to my sobriety, recovery, and helping others. So I told, um, I told them this evening that a bunch of my recovery women, people in my fellowship, were coming over once a month. They're going to come over this coming weekend, I think. Yeah, this coming weekend. And we're going to have a step, a sobriety step study meeting. And so my daughter looked at me like I had three heads, almost like, (laughs) almost like when I said I'm doing a Bible study. Um, And she's like, why? (laughs) I said, "Um, because they're bringing a sobriety meeting to me since I can't go to one. So she got it, you know, she got it that they were, that the community was coming to me and, and being a part of a community like that, um, it doesn't have to be, you know, what it looks like for me. It could be community service. It could be supporting other stroke survivors, other people in sobriety, you know, being a sponsor to somebody else. Uh, Honestly, just showing up to a sobriety meeting is engaging with the community. So that's just as important. I truly believe that that's being of service. When you show up and share, that's, you are totally being of service and allowing somebody to learn from your experiences and your story. Um, or just being kind to your neighbor. And I love bringing baked goods to my neighbors. I've only been in this house for three years and I just have these lovely neighbors and I like to bring them over little bags of, uh, whatever I've been baking. So unfortunately, I think one of my neighbors might be skedaddling. Um, we'll see, but that'll be sad for me. Um, but I'm happy for them. So through our actions, by my kids seeing me bring baked goods over to my neighbors or me telling them about it, um, I'm teaching them the importance of kindness. You know, just 
plain old simple kindness. And it's it's difficult, I think, these days with our phones, those daggone phones, and the speed of life right now is so fast that I feel like simple kindness gets left behind because we're so busy having our heads down. You know, of course, it's easy for me to say I can't have my head down anymore. So I'm like, everybody, look, look up. Stop looking at your phone. Um, but we look down so much that we're, I bet you we're missing so many opportunities to be kind to each other because we're just not even noticing each other as much. That's what it seems like to me. But um, like I said, of course, I can say that because I can't use my digital devices. So um, I want the kids to know the kind of impact that one person can have on the lives of others just by simply noticing. But the only way I'm going to be able to teach them that is to show them, um, I believe. So by leading by example in these ways that I've mentioned here, um, I think we're demonstrating to our kids that obstacles are just stepping stones. And whether you're in sobriety, in stroke recovery, um, you know, showing our kids that we're not just badasses, but also that courage, it's not just there. It doesn't, courage, I don't believe, just exists inside of us, like I believe joy does. I Courage, I believe, needs to be cultivated. And, um, and there are healthy ways to do that. Um, and it's really, I think, clearing away it's facing fears and doing it anyway, you know, just doing it anyway, stepping towards it, leaning in and um, teaching kids that sharing our stories brings solutions, not just to ourselves, but to others and to our community as a whole and teaching them that um, that we can help others in the midst of our own suffering, that there is a healthy way to grieve, and that it can take as long as it needs to take, that it's okay to get uncomfortable, and support can be discovered in unexpected places, and that even though life may not go as you had planned it. <laughs> Mine certainly is nothing like what I had planned. Only, you know, only a few years later, it's nothing like what I had planned. I had it all planned out. Um, but joy lives there too. Joy lives in the life that we didn't plan. All we have to do is make room for it. And that takes work. It takes work to clean up the mess and, and 
and be able to surface the joy. So thank you so much for joining me today. That's what I've got. I hope that was super enjoyable for you. I'll tell you, I feel terrible. (laughs) I feel terrible right now. Like I can barely uh, keep my eyes open because my head hurts so bad. Um, And I'm like dizzy and but I have a smile on my face, you know, the only way that that happens is because I have this podcast and I have people that are clicking play and listening to the words that I have to say. I mean, you guys are saving me, absolutely saving me. Um, So that's it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I'll talk to you tomorrow.